Hello, and welcome to another episode of At Any Rate. I'm your host, Natasha Kanova, and I had JP Morgan Global Commodities Research. Today, we would like to discuss refined oil product markets like diesel, gasoline, jet fuel, heating fuel, uh, ahead of the February 5th European embargo on imports of Russian oil products. Uh, I'm joined today by John Royal, head of the U.S. Integrated Oils and Refining Equity Research Team. Um, John, welcome. Thanks, Natasha. Thanks for for, uh, inviting me today. Mm -hmm. So Brent oil price has gained at this point almost 13% from the bottom reached on January 4th. And today we're trading at at above $88. Uh, Our fair value for for, for the months of January is actually at $83. So it's trading above uh, those levels. So there's a lot of optimistic demand expectations coming from China's reopening. So that's definitely helped uh, oil regain the December losses. But at the same time, we believe that soaring middle distillate prices and cracks are mostly behind crude's bullish price action. Um, just some examples, Europeans, uh, European gas oil price uh, is trading today at $145 uh, oil equivalent. This is the highest in more than two months. Uh, at the front months, uh, European gas oil crack jumped to $40 per barrel. That's a three-month peak. Uh, similarly, when we look at the prices in the United States, diesel futures in New York are trading at their highest level in more than two months, uh, bolstering the fuels premium over to the levels uh, to oil over to levels not seen since November 2022. And then the gasoline futures prices settled on Monday at the highest level since early November, uh, while gasoline crack spread jumped to $30 per barrel. This is the most in six months. A very similar situation we're observing in the jet fuel cracks. So it's Every single product product we're watching, we're seeing, you know, that we at the moment they're trading at the levels the highest in three to six months. So, John, the market strengths in products could be attributed to heavier than usual refinery refinery maintenance season, as well as uh, unplanned outages. So, there's a lot of headlines coming out of the U.S. What are you observing at the moment in your markets in the U.S.? So there's been a pretty meaningful impact uh, from the freeze that happened in uh, late December around Christmas time. Um, so we had previously been running at uh, low 90% utilizations in the U.S., and that, that was pretty high for for a 4Q. Um, and uh, the week of Christmas, uh, we dropped down below 80 when we had the, the freeze come through the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, we've climbed back to about 86% now, but over the past uh, four weeks or so, we've, you know, we've been in that 80 to 85% range. Um, and clearly, there are some lingering operational issues. Uh, Suncor's uh, Commerce City refinery is one to call out that's been fully down uh, and probably for the remainder of 1Q. Um, and there are many others that are likely running at at reduced rates on the Gulf Coast um, and in the mid-continent in particular. Um, on planned downtime, we have heard from several of our uh, refiners that they're expecting uh, a heavy maintenance season this year. Um, two that I would call out are HF Sinclair and Delic. Uh, they came out with uh, uh, capital budgets with uh, very big uh, maintenance budgets in there. Um, and, and broadly, I think that there is a lot of catch up that will have to be done, given that uh, refiners have been referring, uh, deferring uh, really since uh, mm-hmm. 2020, uh, 2020, 21, 22 were all years where you know there was one reason or another to push out maintenance. Um, and uh, so Valero was another uh, they reported yesterday they guided to an 87 percent utilization rate for one Q. Uh, that's down from 97% 4Q. Um, so a big swing there. And I, and I expect we'll hear more of that as earnings season progresses. And all this has helped to shore up uh, product inventory. So currently we have diesel uh, sitting 33 million barrels below the five-year average uh, pre-COVID. Uh, gasoline is about 16 million barrels below. Um, and on the diesel side, this is coming off pretty steep builds. We had uh, from the mid-November to mid-December period, 
um, where people, frankly, were getting worried that we were run rating towards a full normalization. Um, mm -hmm. So this freeze came right at the right time uh, from that perspective. Right, right. So, John, from your point about the diesel inventory, so we, we're observing a very tight diesel inventory, not just in the United States, but uh, ac across the globe. So Europe definitely stands out one of the regions where, where inventories are very tight. So uh, in our view, this, you know, the rally we're observing today in the, in the products markets is the, the, the main driver behind that rally is the concern that Russian product ban will further tighten Europe's and, you know, by definition, global supplies of the fuel. Um, so our view is a little bit different. We actually do believe that uh, both Europe and Russia had one year to prepare, like just a little bit under one year to prepare for that. Uh, and we do believe that actually both countries were moving in the direction to figuring out what to do once the embargo kicks in. So what we we do expect volatility in this distillate cracks and prices in the first quarter. That's you know that that's that's a given around this embargo implementation. But at the same time, we do believe that the market imbalances will clear by uh, you know definitely by mid year, and we do believe that this risk premium and distillates will dissipate. Um, so some of the numbers are in our note, please we encourage everybody to read, but in general, what Europe has been very successful is to not only diversify its sources of diesel imports, but it also scaled them up from, for example, 1.3 million barrels per day uh, in January of last year to 2 million barrels per day by the end of the year. And out of that, actually, Europe succeeded to increase its non-Russian diesel supplies from 0.8 million barrels per day to 1.3 million barrels per day. So this is like the 500 kBD swing. And that's essentially is offsetting part or large part uh, of the 600 KBD that Russia was shipping to Europe last year. So, John, what um, our clients are really watching very closely is that what Russia is going to do. Yes, Europe took care of, of its uh, imports, but Russia now needs to find new exports uh, for this 500, 600 KBD of diesel. So diesel is the main issue because it's a high quality product. Uh, we don't think Russia will have any difficulties um, finding uh, different markets for its lower products, like um, like you know heating fuel, for example, we already see that this is flowing to Asia and to Middle East. But diesel, diesel is the main issue. So, what is your view? Um, so, for example, Latin America, yes, it's it's a natural market uh, for the Russian products. Africa is one of them as well. Uh, but uh, United States has been the main supplier to Latin American countries like Brazil, Chile. Uh, Mexico, uh, this, uh, Ecuador, uh, with, with their diesel products. Do you believe that uh, would Russia be able to displace this diesel currently sold by the U.S. companies into Latin America and for the U.S. volumes to go to Europe? Yeah, uh, Latin America to me seems like the likely uh, incremental destination. Um, uh, the majority of U.S. exports uh, go to Latin America right now. Um, and I've seen some reports that uh, Brazil has been taking in some Russian products. Um, the last number I saw, and, and Natasha, you can correct me if you have better data, but uh, I, I saw some data a couple of weeks ago that Europe was taking about 650 KBD of diesel from Russia. Um, and even that's even after several uh, other countries like Singapore and the UAE were, were ramping up their own purchases. Um, so this is a lot of diesel to place into Latin America. Um, uh, Brazil has been importing uh, maybe 100 to 200 kbd of diesel from the u.s recently uh chile is about 100 to 150 kbd um, but the biggest export destination for the u.s is not surprisingly mexico mm -hmm. uh, and that's about 250 to 300 kbd and i'd, I'd be hard-pressed to think we're going to see a lot of displacement there given uh, you know there's pipeline connectivity and, and just the geographic uh, uh, proximity for mexico um, so I think my view is is uh, somewhat similar to uh, yours. I, uh, I think February 5th will be disruptive, um, at least over the short term, and supply chains will eventually uh, adjust. 
Uh, but I just don't see it going quite as smoothly as the crude sanctions went uh, because we don't have the big whale buyers of of China and India that can quickly right. you know soak up the the displaced supply. Um, this would have to be a, a you know a lot of incremental sources and just feels like it'll take a little bit more time to adjust. But uh, I do think Latin America will be a source, but uh, it, mm -hmm. it may be hard to kind of place all you know six fifty kBD um, uh, right, you right. Know, to those sources. Right. No, you're absolutely correct. So we, it's going to be a piecemeal approach. We already see some of the volumes going into Africa. Morocco is one of the countries. So we're observing very closely. Brazil would be the next one. Uh, but overall, yes, that's, you know, for now, what we see is that uh, between Latin America and Africa, it's about uh, Russia was able to reroute about 160 KBD so far. So we need another, um, you know, another 450 at least to, to start moving in that direction. Um, so the question mark then the next one is uh, what Russia is going to do is with this refining capacity. So usually the argument is that if Russia cannot sell its diesel, they have to cut refining capacity, and because of that, they have to cut, uh, they have to cut oil production as well. So our baseline view actually assumes that uh, most likely they would be forced to cut some refining capacity into around this, you know, the implementation of the ban. But at the same time, we do believe that the country will be able to recover its oil products uh, starting from, you know, the late second quarter going indefinitely into the second half of the year. Uh, consequently, Russian oil production will stabilize. So actually, if you look at our forecast by June of this year, we already have Russian production back to the pre-war uh, pre levels. Um, so, John, what our clients are watching very closely is just in general refining capacity. Yes, we know that we expect Chinese uh, refining runs to increase by about 1 million barrels per day. We hosted parsley last week uh, from our Asia refining team. Um, in the U.S., just looking at the numbers year over year last year, there was about uh, 600 kBD increase in refined runs. What do you expect for this year? Yeah, so there is going to be some new capacity uh, coming on this year. Um, the, the one thing that I don't think you'll ever really see uh, in the U.S. Um, in, in sort of the current environment is um, real kind of greenfield capacity. But what you are seeing is um, some some expansions. Um, and so Exxon uh, is doing a rather large expansion on the Gulf Coast at their uh, Beaumont facility. Um, that's 250 kBD. It's in startup mode now, if you believe the reports uh, that, mm -hmm. that we get from Bloomberg. Um, and uh, that is intended to be running uh, mostly Permian crudes, and they have pipeline connectivity there. Um, Valero is adding a coker uh, at its Port Arthur refinery um, that is uh, supposed to be starting up in uh, 2Q, and it's actually going to add about seven, uh, 75 kBD of uh, crude capacity simply by improving their turnaround efficiency. Um, mm -hmm. On the flip side, we do have uh, some closures. So uh, the Lyondell refinery in Houston uh, should be permanently shutting at some point this year. That's 270 kBD, I believe. Um, and at the end of this year, early next year, uh, Phillips 66 will be completing its conversion of the Rodeo refinery uh, in California into a renewable diesel facility. Um, so that's 120 kBD refinery that will ultimately convert to uh, a facility doing 50 kBD of diesel only. Um, so right. when you net those out there, it's still we're still in a position where we're taking out a modest amount of supply. Um, and I would not expect... Uh, any uh, new supply incrementally from, you know, what we've heard of um, uh, in the U.S., other than some little de-bottlenecks where, you know, you, you add, a, you know, a handful of, you know, small amount of capacity here and there. Um, but you certainly won't see any new greenfield capacity like we're seeing in Asia and the Middle East. John, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you all for listening to the Commodities Edition at JP Morgan's At Any Rate podcast.
We look forward to continue the conversation next week. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023, JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on January 27, 2023.